What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi, and you guys are listening to episode, uh, what is it, 397 on this uh, April 10th, 2019. How the hell is everybody doing? Uh, got a great show for you TVE listeners today. Um, ton of stuff in sports, national championship we'll talk about. We'll also talk about... Um, also talk about Magic Johnson leaving the Lakers, what's going on in the new season in baseball a little bit. Got three movies to review and talk about on the show, okay? Uh, one that I saw in the theater, two that are streaming, um, all kind of crazy. I'm not going to lie, man, like uh, two of them were really, two out of the three were really nuts and insane, and uh, that is not including... That's not the one I saw in theaters, because I did uh, I did see Jordan Peele's um, Us, and I'm going to talk about that as well, but also two uh, movies that are streaming, and uh, of course, we'll get into some Unacceptables, want to get into my trip uh, that was out in Arizona, so anyway, I uh, want to thank everybody for listening, I want to thank all of the Patreon subscribers, there was a few more, uh, and I just put on a Patreon yesterday, I believe, and there's just going to be a ton more Patreon stuff. So instead of me doing like, uh, you know, three or four extra podcasts, this, I'm just going to do a bunch of stuff where it would be a quick rant, a quick announcement, a podcast, a guest, and until we get the show going, which we're ultimately going to try and get in, um, in the middle of next month. Guys, also... Uh, thank you. I know that tickets are already being sold. Uh, TVE is, uh, doing its first ever live recording at, uh, Gotham Comedy Club on May 6th, uh, at eight o'clock. And my special guest is Sal Valcano from, uh, Sal Valcano from, um, Impractical Jokers. So, uh, if you guys know Impractical Jokers, Sal's the best. So funny. We're going to have a great time. Maybe some special guests in there. It'll be, uh, located in the Vintage Lounge, which is the downstairs room. Uh, there's a bar down there. It's awesome. The downstairs room at Gotham Comedy Club, uh, it's called the Vintage Lounge. That is a Monday, May 6th, 8 o'clock, TVE 400. So people are already getting tickets. Get your tickets now. It's limited seating. Um, there's not going to be, I don't know, 75, 80 people, maybe tops, maybe 70 people, something like that. And tickets are already being sold. So if you're a diehard, I'd love for you to be there. We're going to hang out afterwards. I want to talk to everybody who's in there. Thank everybody who's in there. Take pictures, maybe get a drink and all that stuff. That's why I'm glad that it's a small thing. So, uh, get your tickets to that. It's going to be fucking awesome. Okay. Uh, let me start off this podcast by saying Tempe, Arizona. Thank you guys so much. I was at the Tempe, Arizona Improv last Thursday through Sunday, and uh, it was a great time. I got to tell you, the staff, the manager, the general manager, uh, everybody in there, man, the audience members, everybody in Arizona is just nice. They're nice, and it's one of those crowds and markets that, like, even if... Um, you know, even if you go down a road that could be edgy or, or that people get a little nervous, like, oh my God, is this going to be offensive? Even if it goes there, they just go with you for the ride. And if they don't like it, they understand they're at a comedy club and they sit there and they just listen to everything else. It really is an awesome feeling. The people in Arizona were so overly nice that at first I got creeped out by it. 
like I was tired when I checked in and I went to the hotel and, um, you know, I just, before I went to my room, I had to grab something to eat. I had to grab a bite and I was so tired, but there was a cafe downstairs open and like, do you want to get it to go? Do you want to order room service? And I'm like, you know what? Let me just get a sandwich here real quick and eat it. The bar was pretty empty except for some people that were drinking at, uh, drinking at the bar, like doing shots or whatever. There was a convention there. So like a group of the people, the convention were just drinking, but it seemed like I would get my food quick and I did. And the waitress just walked over and she was like, can I get you anything else? Is everything good? Is it okay? You sure? Are you sh-? And like, just like the biggest smile and then saying, no problem. Sure. What do you, can I get you more dressing? Can-? And like genuinely gave a shit if the food was good. Like it wasn't like one of those, I don't know. You ever see a waitress or a waiter and you know, they're just going through the motions, you know, they're, you know, to you and to the outside world, it looks like, oh, is everything okay? Can I get you anything else? But you could tell in their mind, they're like, you piece of shit. I don't care if you choke on that steak, you know, but this was like a genuine caring um, that I really, really appreciated. And you felt like that throughout the whole thing. Uh, so I really had a great time. I want to thank everybody who came out, but, but I do got to talk about something cause uh, something scary did happen out there. Excuse me while I sip my, um, my bubbly sparkling water here. Something happened. Okay. Uh, and, and I got a, actually a compliment from one of the staff members. They were like, Paul, this was a great weekend, great shows. And that's always better, guys. You know that. I don't know if I've talked about that on on the show before, but when a manager or staff or people that have been working in a comedy club for years and years, okay, some of these people have been there 10 years, 20 years, even five years, they see more comedy than anybody else because every night of the week, they're in a showroom. Okay, so think about that. 52 weeks a year, there's a comedian coming in, maybe doing a, a one-nighter on Wednesday. Then they have a headliner come in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They see all of the openers, all of the hosts, all of the headliners, and they become, you know, numb to comedy, right? If you work at a pizzeria or you work at a burger place, you kind of, looking at a burger or a slice of pizza, it doesn't do for you what it what it does if you're never getting a slice of pizza or a burger. Same thing with comedy. Yeah, this joke, that joke. So when they tell you, hey man, really super funny, they were saying, man, so funny, uh, so great to watch you work. It really means more coming from the staff. Uh, but one of them said, Paul, Great job, great weekend of shows, and also I've never heard anybody get more compliments or just comments on their sneakers. So I brought uh, I brought some Jordans with me and I brought some Hirachis with me. The Hirachis I never really wore on stage. Uh, stage the Hirachis were just to kind of if I was going to walk around uh, outside or go down the um, main strip from my hotel. To, to any kind of like uh, shops. I walked, you know, I went over to like a Walgreens or a CVS. I went to grab something to eat over there. I'll just throw the Hirachis on. But on stage, you got to take some dope shit out of the box and you got to get, so I had these like super, super clean Jordans on, uh, threes. And um, he was like, man, so many people commented on your sneakers, which is funny because I'm like, I hope they're watching me on stage and not listening to the jokes while watching feet walk and watching the the sneakers but something happened man it was kind of crazy um so I did a split weekend which means that 
um, like if my show was 9.30 on Saturday, they do an early show with somebody else. And they had somebody else there. And uh, I don't actually, I don't even want to mention names because I, I, it's not even a reflection of them. But every day I would get picked up by, uh, by the driver, Charles. Shout out to Charles, by the way. Me and Charles always had great conversations, talking golf, talking sports, talking life, talking music. Just He's just a great guy. So basically what happens is the comedy club, when I land at the airport, there's a truck there that picks me up, brings me to my hotel. And then at night, whatever time the show is, the truck is outside to, you know, a certain time. I have like a call time to be at. The truck will be downstairs. I go to the truck. They take me to my gig. So I get to the comedy club one night and I'm wearing my Jordans. And, um, you know, I, I put my outfit on and, and I'm wearing these nice fresh Jordans that are like, you know, popping white with a little red in them. They're sick, right? And uh, I noticed that there's a bunch of like people coming out of the, the, the show before mine. And we got there a little early and there were people outside taking pictures and stuff. And there was just like one group of guys and they had like, you know, they had tattoos and they they were just standing out there. And I didn't know, you know, who or what these, you know, who these people were, of course. So I'm just talking to Charles, and it's about a half hour before my show's supposed to start. Usually it's going to probably start 10 minutes late, whatever. And um, I get out of the car, and this group of guys is standing around this like column where I have to go to get upstairs to get to the comedy club. And as I get out and walk, they like start staring at me, and they start staring at my Jordans. And as I go around and I hear, I hear them say, like, Yo, man, walking alone with those new Jordans on or something. And kind of like in a threatening way. Not to me, to each other, but I heard it. Now, I'm about to go to work. The club is right there. I'm obviously not going to say anything because I know what that could escalate to. I don't want to say like, excuse me, are you talking to me? Are you threatening me? You know, it was, it also could have been like, Kind of like a half joke or complimenting about my sneakers. I didn't know, but I didn't take it as that. I didn't take it as such at all. I took it as like, yo, you're walking around around us with those fresh-ass Jordans on. Like, be careful. That's really how I took it. Usually my gut's right. You know, not that I'm some crazy street kid, but, you know, I kind of have, you know, seen and been around a few things where I just didn't really feel 100% comfortable with that. So... I go up there and, you know, I was just talking to somebody about what happened and they were like, all right, man, we're going to have somebody, you know, downstairs to bring you up. And I'm saying to myself, of all the years I've been doing this and, and now I'm headlining and, and, you know, knock on wood, things are going well and, you know, some people are coming out to see me and everything. I'm going to get my ass kicked for the fucking sneakers I'm wearing. Like, <laughs> it's just funny to me that I could just, you know be excited to be performing, so I wear some fresh-ass Jordans, and, you know, I get the shit kicked out of me before, so we, um, we figured it out, but that was definitely a little hairy, that was the one thing, other than that, everybody was great, and like, again, I didn't know, they didn't straight come up to me, but they said some shit that made me feel like that, so that was the only thing that was a little weird, and I'm sure everybody in here has been in a situation where you've been walking alone, you know, you're either with a, you know, you're walking with a pretty girl, some people say something, you get put in a situation, I was just alone, with dope ass sneakers, probably better than anybody's there, and uh, 
and something was said and and then we we rectified the problem so i just was like oh man that would suck if i'm just i'm on stage i'm spitting out teeth like chiclets i got blood coming down while i'm trying to do my jokes all for a pair of jordans then next show i'm just going into my closet grabbing old shit because i'm like screw that i don't give a shit what my feet look like i'm not getting the shit kicked out of me because i'm wearing a nice pair of sneakers um but nevertheless it was it was awesome and uh thank you to the people that did come out there were some people that have never saw me before didn't even know about me and were like oh we're gonna come back and then there were people who did see the special on comedy central which is still streaming go check it out there's also new clips out right now guys new clips on um twitter facebook and there's gonna be uh, another one on uh, instagram uh, all the same bit and i'm gonna be releasing a new joke every week or two of the special uh, until, you know, whatever I'm allowed to from Comedy Central. So those are going to be coming out. So a lot of things that if, you know, you didn't see or you don't remember or you don't have access to anymore, I'm going to be putting those out as well. Okay? So uh, let's get moving. Let's get moving into what, what you guys wrote. I had a couple of people write some stuff in uh, to the show. So here we go. Um, this one is from, let's see here, Clint. Okay, one's, oh, oh, that's right, I said one's gotta go, and I said, I believe the one's gotta go was either UFC or MMA, and Clint says, fuck, this was hard, say both sports were just as popular as one another in the 90s, I'd say that MMA had to go, but I don't find boxing as entertaining as MMA anymore, so I'm saying that boxing has to go. There hasn't been a replacement for the big names in boxing uh, of the late uh, 80s and early 90s, and I don't think it will ever come back to what it used to be. I'm talking like I'm 26. Look, if one's got to go and it's boxing or MMA, man, yeah, I know what you're saying because if it was like having Mayweather and, and Roy Jones Jr. and, you know, guys like that. And, and, of course, obviously the obvious ones like Tyson and Holyfield and these people, you know. But the fact that, like, a Triple G fight happens once a year and then, you know, they're getting old. And the fact that, you know, Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather fought seven years after their prime uh, while one of them was injured just for a cash grab. It, it's, yeah, so I, it's tough, man. I like the art of boxing better. I, I actually do. I think that, you know, two guys only using your hands, you can't use your feet, you can't grapple, you can't wrestle, no, you know, jujitsu, none of that shit. You can't do any of that. So basically, it's, you just, who's got more skills with their hands? And that's why I like boxing better. But, UFC and MMA have come up with this amazing thing where the best fights the best. You cannot dodge it. You know, you can't be like, ah, we're not going to fight him yet. Or we think he's cheating just because you don't want to lose. Um, I don't think it's as corrupt. I don't think it can be as corrupt. Because, I mean, unless you're just taking a straight dive while you're going to get the shit kicked out of you and get your head stomped in, these guys will kick your head off. You know, and it's and just bludgeon you. So I feel like I feel like there's less corruption in UFC because it's quicker and it's just more right there, and the best has to fight the best. So uh, and there's also like an amazing fight and a main event every two or three weeks in the UFC. It's just nonstop entertainment with all the best guys fighting each other. So 
Right now it's winning, and I think a lot of people would say that, but in a perfect world, if I could have that with boxing and that in MMA or UFC, I would take boxing. Uh, next one is from Jason, and Jason says, Auburn, unacceptable how Auburn lost the Final Four NC basketball, NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, listen... Obviously, if you're an Auburn fan, if you're a, uh, you know, that's really tough for you people that don't know. The NCAA Men's Basketball, Division I Men's Basketball Championship. The main, the big one was uh, Virginia and Texas Tech. Virginia won it. We'll get into that more with sports when I'm done this, but um, Auburn lost in the Final Four. The game, if they won to go to the championship, they lost. Um, there was a foul call that a lot of people dispute. Uh, the guy on Virginia shot at the end, and uh, you know the guy from Auburn jumped into him a little bit. I don't mind that, but the call that really screwed Auburn was there was a double dribble that is a clear double dribble in the rules. The guy, the ball went off the guy's foot. He picked it up, and that means you have to lose your dribble. You got to pass, and he started to dribble again. They did not call it. And then the play with the foul in the corner happened. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a really tough thing to do. It's In the moment, it's fast. The refs don't know. Um, you Look, if you're a Virginia fan, you're going to find excuses why it's fine and go, oh, there's always missed calls. You know, it just went our way this year. And if you're an Auburn fan, you're going to be like, hey, we got fucked. You know, completely unacceptable, whatever. So I don't even know, but it's definitely tough if you are an Auburn fan, and I hear that. I hear that. Who the fuck is calling my landline right now? What? I gotta take this. That was just the most ridiculous thing ever. I literally just picked up the phone. Well, here's my unacceptable. Perfect timing again. I swear to God, this was almost like Bill Burr calling when I was plugging my Washington, D.C. dates and Bill Burr called my, my cell and I answered it and he answered the phone. I swear to God, that was not planned. And uh, he goes, oh, when are you going to get me on the show? And he goes, oh, everybody, go see Paul in D.C. And I swear it was not planned. Well, you know what? I'm sitting here and I'm reading some of the stuff that you guys have. And here's my unacceptable because I swear to God I want to find out what company that is. I am going to call it back. Actually, I should call it back on the phone. I should call it back on speaker right now. I'm going to do that. I'm going to call it back on speaker right now so you guys can hear this. Here's what just happened. A lady goes, Hi. I'm calling about, I, I, and literally, I she, I thought she was live. I didn't even know if she was live. It was the it was the weirdest thing. It wasn't a robot. Here's what just happened, and here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna call this lady back, um, or I'm gonna call the company, and I'm gonna complain and 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 get into it with them with you guys listening. So I answer the phone literally just now, and I didn't like stop the show for a while. This literally just happened in real time, right now during the show, and she goes. Uh, I mean, I didn't like pause it and go leave. It was two seconds ago, and I just go, hello, and she goes, hi, this is Angela, and I'm just calling to find out if you wanted to renew the uh, warranty on your vehicle because the warranty is going to be up and you're going to lose coverage, and I go, okay, for what car? And she goes, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Do you want to renew coverage? And I go, I don't even know what what car. She goes, do you want to renew coverage? And I go, ma'am, I don't even know what car or coverage you're talking about. She goes, okay, well, thank you. We'll talk, you know, talk to you later and just hung up the phone. So this is some bullshit and I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to get this on speaker now. How do I get this on speaker? I got to do this because I'm pissed. 
Is there a speaker? There's got to be speaker, right? Huh. Come on. How do I... I have to get this. No. No, no, no. No, I don't want to do that. Uh, no, no. What is... What? I don't... Calls will not be answered. All right. All right. I'll call it. Hold on a second. Hold on. Can I? I got to... How do I find out who just called me? Oh, God, I got to find out who just called. I'm going to freak out on these people if I find out who called me. Hold on. Redial menu select. Directory. Oh, don't tell me I can't do it. All right, guys, sorry about that. I just tried, and apparently I found the number in the directory that just called, and it said the number can't be... It's not going to work or like, please check the number. So that was definitely some spam shit or weird shit. But like, I really just got super pissed off when I was like, yeah, what car are you talking about? Or what are you, you know, and they were like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Would you like to renew your car? It's like, oh, so, so you're just, so what if I just said yes? What if I just said yes? You're going to take my money? Oh my God. I got, I so, what? I so wanted to I so wanted to get that person back on the phone. Not only would it have been great for the show, but I would have I mean that was really frustrating to me. Oh my god, that makes me want to call up a company that does that. I wish I I wish I, I wish you guys could send me send me a company. I'll just call somebody. Oh my god, that was annoying. Uh, anyway, uh wh whatever I was saying, yes, I guess I was talking about Auburn. It's tough, man. It's a tough it's a tough thing. You know, but and then have Virginia not only go to the championship game after that, but win it. But in their defense, man, they hit big shots. They um, and and you can't punish the kids for the officiating being bad. The kids did their job. I'll tell you what, that kid. We'll talk about it more in sports. That kid hitting those foul shots was unbelievable. Let's move on to another one. Um, here, let's see here what what this is. Um. Okay, here we go. Oh, Clint started. Okay, this is from Clint again, but this is he did comedy. Hey, Paul, last night I had a set at a comedy club. I had an experience that I'm not used to. I'm new to stand-up, so I've not had a set that went uh, really well. Um, but the ones before, uh, I've at least felt comfortable. But last night, everything felt foreign and not right. But I also told two jokes that got bigger laughs than I've ever gotten before, which is uh, which at the time felt incredible. But for the majority of my jokes, I couldn't get the words to come out right, even though uh, I've said uh, the set out loud beginning to end probably a hundred times before ever doing it without any issue. I felt a level of shame that I've never felt before. And this morning I woke up feeling unfunny. It's hard to think because, I mean, it, it's, I'm sorry, it's a hard thing because I don't want to be anything besides funny. If you've ever felt unfunny, is there something that you can do to combat that feeling? Well, of course, we all feel unfunny sometimes, even people that, that live funny. You know, even people that's life is funny. You could feel unfunny. You could bomb after doing this job for two decades and go, can I do this? Uh, that's the beautiful thing about comedy is, uh, it's, it's, um, 
you know, every night's a blank. Like uh, I just did a podcast that I thought that the the name was so dope, and it was called Blank Canvas, and that's what it is. Now, here's the thing: you got to trust yourself. You can't beat yourself up. Um, you're new to stand up, like you said at the beginning of that, and that's a great thing to ask on the show. So I'll, I'll get into that as well. Where are we time wise, by the way? That phone call pissed me off, man. All right, almost halfway through the show. Anyway, so let's talk about this for a second. And then we will move on. I have three movies to review. And uh, some obviously we'll talk about sports and a bunch of stuff. God, I hope they call back. Because if they call back, if they call back, I'm gonna I'm getting a number. I'm just going to write the number and we're just going to keep it. I'll harass them during this whole show. I'll dedicate this show to that shit. I'm, that's how pissed off I am right now. I wish you guys would have heard her. It was almost like she was blatantly ignoring me. Like it was the weirdest thing. It was like I didn't know if that was a robot. But then when I said, what car are you referring to, she just stayed quiet and goes, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Do you want to renew? And it was like, are you just trying to take money from me, you psychopath? Um, I know, I got to stop dwelling on it. You guys are like, this kid's nuts. So, back to your question. Um, let me read the question again to just see how, how I should say this. So... Have you ever felt unfunny and is there something you could do to combat that feeling? The only thing I could say to combat the feeling is, honestly, is to just get up again. You know, this is something that comes with experience, to be honest with you. You know, look, there are times that a joke's going to do great and there are times you're going to eat a dick. It just is what it is and comedy is that. Um, the more comfortable and the more experiences you go through, the better. You know, I've... I've had people go nuts and I got, you know, I've gotten standing ovations. Uh, not many, but I've got them. I've, I've crushed and everything's gone good. I've also had people go, all right, enough, get off stage. I've also had to walk off stage because, you know, years and years and years ago, I was at this thing. It was uh, all like cops and firemen drinking beer. This one guy wouldn't stop. I unloaded all my bullets early. It didn't go well. The sound system sucked. Nobody was policing the room. I had nothing left and I just walked. I was like, all right, fuck you. I got to leave. You know, and that was, I left questioning everything after killing before that. And that was years and years ago. And now there's still some nights after a long time you have a bad night. You know, it's just, it is what it is. But here's what I'll say. Every bad night you have is is just, it's just making the the skin thicker. It's making your skin thicker. It's making you more bulletproof. And what it's also doing is letting you realize how to deal with that. And uh, how to combat that in the future when it happens. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So now, like you said, you said you had two of your biggest laughs that you've ever had, yet you you bombed and you were more uncomfortable. Okay? See, so that's comedy right there. That's basically saying, hey, man, so maybe those two laughs, you took a chance or like things went well and then the other things didn't go well. What's going to happen in the future and what's going to happen in time, and, and I know this, is... With the experience and getting that thick skin like I told you and getting being, you know, being a little more bulletproof is that you're going to be like, you know, able to even address that later. Where you'll be like, all right, fuck it. I got big laughs on the other one. I'll take that. I'll take you guys not liking that. Fuck you guys. You know, just to like kind of address it and let people know that like, you know, you're, you're dealing. See, what it, what's happening now is... um. When you're new in comedy, you want the road to be the, the, the road to be as smooth as possible, right? You want it, it just got paved. There's no potholes. There's no there's no rocks. There's no pebbles. There's no gravel. 
You know, the car is just on smooth asphalt and everything is going to go smooth. And if something does fall in front of the car or you do hit a pothole, you're really not used to it. You don't know how to deal with it. That's not comedy. Um, Comedy is there's always going to be something to deal with, you know. But it goes from a comedian that doesn't want a heckler and is fearing a heckler to then going, well, if you heckle, I'm just going to destroy you and make you wish you didn't and then go back to my act. So I'm going to make you funny in the show anyway because I've been doing this long enough. So now I'm going to make you regret talking to me and make the make the joke be on you because everyone's going to be laughing at how I destroyed you. And then I'm going to go back to my jokes and kill with that too. So now what it is is now it's double good because the heckler got shut down and I'm killing because I have the experience. Now you're just dealing with the the... You don't want the first one. I remember when I started doing comedy, I was like, man, what if somebody yells something? I don't even know what to say. You know, what do I do? Just laugh it off or ignore it and do shit like that? So all of this comes with, um, you know, all of this comes with with experience. And uh, to answer the second part of the question too, how I would combat it, another thing I would do with that is I would just focus and think about the two reasons why or the, the two laughs that you got that, that were bigger than everything else. Think about that. So in all the time you've been doing comedy, you got two of the biggest laughs of your life, right? During the worst set. What does that tell you? That tells you you're growing and you're on to something. So you keep the two big ones. You find out what it was about the, that, that part that people didn't like and you just keep it moving. It's all good, brother. It's all good. What, what do you have to lose? You know, I'm, I'm glad and thank you guys for the submissions. And I'm glad you brought this up because this is something that I want to talk about. And I don't know how funny this is going to be, and I don't want to sound corny or cliche, but I was literally thinking about this yesterday and today, and I think it's a perfect thing to bring up here with somebody who wants to get into comedy, somebody that started doing comedy, doesn't have much experience, and is going through the emotions of doing good and bad and jokes working and some jokes not working and feeling comfortable and uncomfortable. Think about it like this. You already did something in your life, right? You already did something in your life that that you really wanted to do, okay? And I mean really wanted to do it. Like it sounds like, I mean, I, I, I you know, when you travel far to be around comedy, when you, when you listen to podcasts, when you want to be, you know, this is something you always want to do. Not because you want to do it because now it's cool to do. Because there are some people that want to do that too, you know? But I'm talking about if it's your calling and it's what you're supposed to be doing, right? And you did it. So here's the thing, dude. You could already sleep at night knowing if all else fails, you got up and you started to do something. So what does it matter? House money. And what I was thinking about was, I was thinking about like trying to get things done and what do you want to accomplish? And we're always trying to, especially people that work and people that are moving ahead and successful people, right? Those people are always trying to move ahead, right? You're always trying to go up. And then even when you have a lot of success and things went well, then you hit like a little fucking bump, right? You hit a little, and right when you hit that bump, you're like, oh man, what is this, man? Oh, it's just another thing I got to overcome and this and that. And you do, you have to overcome it, of course. But I was looking at it like this. I was in hell two and a half years ago. Hell. I was in the lowest, darkest place of my life to the point where when I thought about it, and, 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 and being in the mindset I'm in now was such a fantasy for me. I remember when I was in just the depths of that darkness, when I was in the prime, the, 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 the middle of that 
fucking hell and darkness and there was no light at the end of the tunnel. And I would sit there, whether it would be talking to my wife or my mom or my or my friends or, you know, the close people that did know what I was going through. Not many people did. But when I was doing that, to be where I'm at now was a fantasy. It was almost like, could you imagine if I can get back to normal? I couldn't even imagine what it would be like if I could get back to normal. That's how far away it was. And that, that's how that's how much I thought about it like it was such a dream and a fantasy. And now I finally got there, right? A couple years ago, I got through this. And now I'm like, what do I give a shit? What do, what do I give a fuck what somebody thinks of me? Or how I'm going to let somebody else validate what I'm going to do? I'm not. Because everything that I am now is because of me. And every place that I'm going is because of me. And yes, you're going to have amazing people that help you along the way and believe in you along the way. And I always, you know, one thing I learned, you don't need everybody to believe in you. You just need one or two people or a powerful, good person that loves you and believes in you. And, and you guys, you know, make things happen together. And that happens with people. It happens with your team, with your agent, with your manager and people like that. And as long as that happens, that's great. But even if that doesn't happen, I was in hell. What do I give a shit? This is house money, man. And then and then sometimes I need to go back to those times. Not feeling like that, obviously, because I couldn't deal with that. But like sometimes I need to go back to that to that time in my mind and just go, remember when you were laying in bed, what you were thinking. And now look. So how bad is it, Paul? Why don't you why don't you just fucking relax for a second and understand where you're at now and where you were? And when that happens, everything gets put in perspective. And I'm like, yeah, I was in a place I didn't think I was coming out of it. I didn't think I was coming out of it. You know, as a matter of fact, a couple times I was I was dead. I was dead. And 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 I came out of it. So it's all good. So when you're doing stand up or when you're doing something or if you want to write a book or if you got a dream to do or whatever, There's times where you're going to be in such a bad place, or you can be, I don't wish that on you, but there are times you could be in such a bad place and you're going to go, man, I wish I could just get out of this so I could actually do that now instead of procrastinating or instead of, I wish I could do that now. So I know none of that was funny. (laughs) I'm doing a comedy podcast here, but this, you know, the podcast could go wherever, but that's, that's as real as I could be. You know, that's, that's as, you know, it's, it's. Dude, there's a guy, man. They showed a guy on ESPN. He's a head coach of a football team. This guy's got no arms or legs. It's like you could pick him up like he's a fucking lamp and 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 put him in a in a wheelchair. And he's got a whistle in his mouth and he's got these kids ready to run through a wall for him cuz he's looking at it like fuck it, I still got my brain. I still got my ideas. And, and, and I'm not even saying, like, I know that that's, I'm not even trying to be mean about that. I'm just saying, like, could you imagine if that's your life? You got to have somebody put your shirt on. You got to have, you got to have somebody pick you up. You got all these different things in your life. Like, like, and, and I was sitting there and somebody's just walking across the street pissed off because Starbucks is closed. It's like, when you think like that, it's amazing how freeing that is. I was traveling and I was like, man, I got to travel and, and think about this for a second. Think about how nuts this is. Okay. I love what I do. I love that I'm building this new hour and I'm traveling and the tour is going well and I'm hopefully going to sell more tickets and hopefully people come out to see me. If they do, they do. If they don't, I really can't control that. But I'm living my dream. I'm having fun. 
All I want to do is my shit, get back to my kids, get back to my family. So if I'm ever going to complain about, oh, Paul, you got to get on another airplane. Really? That's what I'm going to complain about? I gotta, I'm got i sorry. I got to get on another airplane. Everything I always dreamed about when you're a comedian, going to an airport and getting on an airplane and having a club fly you to their place, drive you the fuck around, take care of you while because they believe in your talent to entertain their, their customers. And I'm going to worry that I got to catch a fucking red eye or something like that when what's the, what else would I be doing? Sitting around, nothing. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. And uh, I got to tell you, man, it's freeing. It really is. And when you think like that and you live your life like that, only good and positive things can happen. You know, there are people, like, you know, what's funny is I think, and this is going to sound funny, but like we, we've, I think I've talked about this before. Like we take pain for granted. There are people that are always in pain, literally. Like they have like joint issues. They have arthritis. You ever see people like they're walking around and they just constantly have like a grunt look on their face and you're like, what's wrong? Like, oh yeah, my fucking knee blew out 10 years ago. I had replacement surgery and then nothing is, yeah, my hip, you know, so every night I need to take Advil and it's like all that stuff. And like, if you're walking around not in pain, you're not even thinking about that you're not in pain because you take this shit for granted. So, um, so basically the moral of what, the moral of the story is, man, be grateful and, uh, and, and look at it as house money. Cause however bad you got it, somebody else got it a whole fucking lot worse. Uh, there you go. That's my, that's the positive part of the show this week. Sorry. Sorry. Is that okay, guys? Does it always have to be, do I always have to sit here and rant about an unacceptable? Do I always have to sit here and talk about somebody who's, uh, did something that we all can't stand or can I be positive? Okay, guys, I saw three movies. We're going to get into these movies. I don't know how long they're going to take, but I explained there was actually four. Now, if you guys know who Darren Brown is, Darren Brown is a guy who is a, he's like a psychological magician and illusionist, but his thing is like kind of seeing how to persuade people into doing things. I guess not like hypnotism, but like more like compliance. Okay, like brainwashing and compliance and like conditioning the mind to ultimately getting that mind to do a goal, to do something. So he's got two out on Netflix. One is called Sacrifice and one is called The Push. I fully, fully went into Sacrifice on the Patreon. Okay, so if you listen to the Patreon, the Patreon was about an unbelievably unacceptable passenger on my plane. I told the story. It was something like I've never experienced before in an airplane. That's on the Patreon. And for $3, you too could hear that. Um, And then I did talk about sacrifice in depth. But I'm doing the regular podcast for you guys, of course, every week. Um, For free, you lucky pricks. Kidding. And I wanted to talk about the push. So this is... um, I'm going to try to do this without spoiler alert, but the thing about Darren Brown is like, there's really no, you can describe it all the way up to the end and it's still not a spoiler alert because he used different test studies and stuff, but here's, here's ultimately what it is. He interviews, he, he has a goal. So in the sacrifice, he basically wanted to find one person that he thinks through the course of time and certain things he could ultimately get to, to take a bullet for somebody else. 
in fact, maybe even somebody that they hate or don't like, then like change their way of thinking beforehand with tests and things and visual things and sounds and then put them in a situation where they're around that person that they either don't like or just a person and see if they would actually step in front of a gun when that person's about to get killed. And I talked about what happened in Sacrifice. And by the way, this is all real. Okay. So the next one is called The Push. All right. This shit was crazy. All right. So The Push, again, Darren Brown. I think it's D-E-R-R-E-N Brown. Okay. I don't know if he's Australian or British or whatever. Uh, so it, the documentary starts with... It starts with him and an actor, which is hilarious. (laughs) Him and an actor are on a rooftop and they're looking down at a coffee shop. And the coffee shop is in, you know, it's, it's, you could see it's very, the, the front window is very visible to see the employees and even some of the patrons in there. Okay. And he just wants to, the, the beginning of the doc just shows an example of what he's talking about and how you could get somebody to do something. So the guy calls up. The actor, he just says to the actor, okay, make the call and do exactly how he rehearsed it. So he calls up, he calls up the coffee shop and he sees the patrons, he sees who's in there, he sees there's a woman, he sees there's a carriage with a baby, he sees that there's other people sitting down ordering coffee and getting coffee. So he calls up the coffee shop and the kid gets on the phone and he says, hey, I'm a detective with so-and-so. So he's already, now he's giving, uh, he's now he's giving, what's it called? Credibility to the character on the phone, right? And he says, um, I'm detective so-and-so. And he says, do you see a woman there with dark hair in a ponytail with a baby carriage? So the guy comes out and you're all seeing, this is all real. This isn't, this is all real. And the guy's on the phone and the guy goes, yes, I do. And he goes, okay, that woman is a known child abductor. Uh, and that is not her baby, and we need to get that baby out as safely as possible. So here's what I need you to do. I'm going to give you a number. I want you to call the number on your cell phone, get off the landline, or stay, I'm sorry, stay on the landline, but get off the, uh, call me with the cell phone, and then I want you to... Uh, call me on the cell phone. So he calls him on the cell phone and he goes, okay. And he, so he still has a landline and the cell phone. And he goes, now I need you to walk up to the woman with the ponytail and I need you to tell her that there's a phone call for her. When she grabs the phone call, you need to grab the baby carriage and you need to walk out with the baby. And the guy is nervous and he walks up to the woman while he's still on the cell phone with this so-called detective who's really an actor. And he says, there's a call for you. And she goes, oh, thank you. And she gets on the phone and he grabs a baby carriage and he walks out. And he's going, I really don't feel good about this. Why am I, I have somebody else's baby and thing, blah, blah. And he, this guy walks out with the baby and gets the baby out. Come to find out, everybody was an actor except that guy. The woman, the baby was fake. It was a rubber baby. It looked exactly like a real baby. The baby was fake, the whole thing. But it was basically to show that you can get somebody in a situation where they're like in over their heads, like it gets crazy before they even know it if you do it the right way. So the push was about, he, um, it's pretty interesting, right? So what he did was he interviewed like a hundred people, got it down to six people. And then he wanted to find out one of them that he thinks would ultimately push somebody at the end of the uh, at the end of the episode ultimately push somebody off the ledge of a building to their death if he could get the person to do that right uh, 
and he and it's this whole plan everything is fake he meets this guy he tells this guy he wants to partner up there's a big auction and 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 big fundraiser and he wants the guy to go to and they pack this place with 70 actors looks like a real cocktail party they have the guy who's like the big whale who's going to be donating a ton of money to it that they want to make sure he's happy and drinking and all this stuff and they have an auction where they're going to auction stuff off and some, you know, people are going to bid and this guy's going to be a part of it. And if this guy helps out, it's going to be really big for his company and the whole thing like that. And the series of events that happens during this, okay, and what this guy goes through, okay, where the main benefactor guy has a heart attack and dies and they don't know what to do, and they're telling him, all right, all right, no, listen, man, we, st- we got to raise money for all these kids. Thousands of kids are going to be, let's just, before before, before we call the cops and everything, he's already dead. I checked, and the guy's like, oh, my God, but did you check his, is he? he goes, yeah, listen, he's like, Chris, he's already dead. Guy's name was Chris. He goes, he's already dead. Everyone's an actor. Everybody's in on this except this guy, Chris. Everybody, literally everybody. And... He's like, there's a guy in the auction room, the main guy, has a heart attack and drops dead there. So he thinks. And the guy who's like, you know, really leading him to this, this actor guy, the same guy that called the the guy in the bakery at the, the, the coffee shop at the beginning, goes, listen, he's already dead. We and and this auction is going to be really soon. Let's just get through this. We'll put him in this thing. And you're seeing what this guy would do. And it gets to the point where they actually put the guy in a box. And he doesn't want to do it, but they put him in a box. And then they think the box is going to be auctioned off. And the guy is sweating and this and that. And then and all of these things happen. I don't want to give it all away. All of these things happen till ultimately, ultimately the guy, um, they're like moving the body around the whole time. And he's like, listen, when are we going to call the cops? Let's just call the cops. And, and they come to find out that the guy wasn't dead, he just needed his pills, and then the guy comes too, but he's already, up, they bring him up to the roof, and he's already up there, or, or no, I'm sorry, they put him at the bottom of the stairs by the roof, going up to the roof, and they go, we're just going to leave him here, we're going to finish the party, and then we're going to pull up the car, and we're going to take him to the hospital, say he had a heart attack, or give him his pills, whatever like that, and they do that, and then when they get back to the stairs, he's gone, and he's up on the roof cursing. He's like, you fucking, you didn't think I heard that? You know, and he's acting like he was incapacitated, but he knew all the shit that they were doing, and then he's sitting on the ledge, and they have a meeting, and, and all these people are in on it, and they're going, well, we were, you're going to jail. You two are going to jail. You had this guy, you were doing, you're going to go to jail. He's going to press charges, this and that, but he's smoking a cigarette sitting on the ledge, and one of them suggests, if you just give him a tight, tight, tight little push, He's gone, and you don't have to worry about it. He won't say anything. It'll look like he had a heart attack up here and fell while he was smoking. You can do that, blah, blah, blah. And then you find out if he's going to do it or not. And then at the end, when it comes to finding out if this guy Chris actually did it, I hope I did that justice. Just know this. I'll give you the bullet points if you don't understand. They're at this big thing. They need to raise money. It's for kids. This guy, a big thing that positive can happen for this guy. And then this guy who has a lot of money and is going to be a whale in this auction and speak, dies, or so he thinks. And they're actually having him take a dead body around, like, and they're just prolonging. He's like, they're like, no, no, in a couple of minutes, let's just move him here, move him there, all this, until ultimately he's like an accomplice for murder, pretty much. 
and then ultimately the guy comes to, he's not dead, but he's on the roof figuring out what happened and about to press charges or all this stuff, and all of these actors are trying to persuade him, but he's sitting on the ledge smoking a cigarette at the very, very end of this documentary. And then is, is this guy going to push him off? Is he brainwashed enough? But there's all conditioning that goes on to like lead him to this. And, uh, and then I'm not going to tell you what happens. So absolutely fascinating. Um, I have to shout out Big Irish J. Okay. Now, Big J. Okerson is a comedian that a lot of you guys know. He's uh, from Philly, but he's in New York, and everybody knows Big J. He's had a special on Comedy Central. He's co-host of The Bonfire with Dan Soder. He's a known comedian. I've, you know, everybody knows Big J. There's another comedian who's coming up, very funny, who's actually really big. He's six foot eight, and he's a big dude. And he's his name is his stage name is Big Irish J. And he hosted my shows at Tempe, and he was great. He told me to see the push, and then I saw the push, and then he said, you got to see Sacrifice, and I saw that too, which I talked about in the other thing. So uh, it's a no-brainer, okay? Now, last night I saw the latest movie on Netflix, The Basement, and I just want to say I'm still sitting here thinking about it and how disturbed it is, how disturbed I am from it. Like to the point where it actually kind of ruined my breakfast. It fucked me up. It fucked my sleep up. And it really freaked me out. I'll tell you guys what it is. I'm obviously not going to give it away because it's super, super fresh and new. I think it just came out yesterday. It did. Like it, it comes out on Tuesdays or whatever. So it, it's, it's, it, it's brand new. It's the first thing that will come up on your Netflix. What it's about is a guy. A guy uh, is in a mansion. He's a rich super rich, famous musician, and he's home with his wife. And his wife says, we have no more champagne. I want champagne. Can you go get it? So this guy gets in his orange Lamborghini, and he goes to the store, and he gets this champagne. And it's kind of understood that there is a killer. They call him like the Gemini killer or whatever. And um, it was weird. It talks about the trait of a Gemini as two different people or twins or two different whatever it is. And... um it made me think. I know a lot of my friends. My son's a Gemini, and I'm like sitting there. I'm like, wait, do they have multiple personalities? <laughs> but um, so he's like, they're re- he's reading the paper that this killer is still out, and blah blah blah, killed seven people, and uh, he grabs a champagne and he smokes a cigarette outside of his uh, Lamborghini before he gets. I mean, before yeah, he smokes a cigarette before he gets in his Lamborghini, and as he's about to get in his Lamborghini, there's a truck next to his Lamborghini. Door slides open, takes him. Next thing you know, he's in a basement, tied to a table, arms and legs, and he's alone. He doesn't know what's going on, and then a clown comes down, and a clown is down there doing a, like a clown show in front of him. He's like, what the fuck is this? The clown punches him in the face a couple times, and then says, that's the show, then goes up. Then another character comes down and is playing like, uh, you know, some psychopath. Then another guy comes down, and it's the same guy who kidnapped him with like multiple, multiple personalities. And there is torture. There is there is just evil. There's, I mean, it was really brutal. And then basically he tells the guy at six o'clock in the morning is your execution. And he acts as if the guy is in, he acts as if the guy is in prison. The guy's in his basement, clearly held against his will, kidnapped by this psychopath. But he's acting to the point where he has visitors. He acts like a visitor. 
He'll act like his mother. He'll come down as his mother. He'll come down as a guard. He'll come down as another prisoner. And he's just like, what, what do you want? He comes down as a lawyer going, what do you want your last meal to be? And this guy is just, I mean, it's really fucked up until ultimately he's going to get, the, what's going to happen is he's going to get killed at 6 o'clock. Um, he's going to get killed at, at 6 o'clock in the morning by having a blowtorch cut his head off with a blowtorch. And that's what you're waiting on. And um, I, I don't know what else to say other than it was one of the most disturbing and crazy endings to anything that I've ever seen. If you don't like torture or gore or horrible feelings, uh, don't see it. But if you like that shit and you're into that shit, uh, this one's for you. But it definitely freaked me out. So that is movie review number number two. I don't know how I went from a positive, you know, look at where you were when you were down and look at everything else, enjoy it, it's house money and it's blah, blah, blah and and, and all that stuff to just, <laughs> I mean, this guy was, this guy was being tortured in a way and then, oh my God, I wish I could even talk about it more and tell you guys some stuff, but it was like, I don't think I ever rooted I don't think I ever rooted for somebody in that situation, in that tied up basement situation more than this this musician that was tied up in there. I don't I don't think there was ever somebody that I wanted to to get out and get free. And I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm not saying that he does. Um but you got to it, it was it was pretty it was pretty intense and uh oof. All right, and I saw us, everybody. I saw. I told you guys this was going to be a heavy. Um, this was going to be heavy. What's it called? On movies, so and and shows and stuff. But I saw us with Big Irish J and uh, Amir. Amir the Miracle is his stage name. He featured for me. He's from L.A. and he uses a guitar, but he does something very unique and different. I don't even know how to describe it. But he'll he'll you know he'll just say something funny and then just like strum the guitar and make a song out of it really funny. Um, and we went to see us, and it was Big Irish Jay's third time seeing it, and I think Amir's second and my first. And I I had to think about it for a while, but I'll say this. I'll say this still streaming on Comedy Central and my website you could get it too and all that shit, but. Um. I did not like us nearly as much as Get Out. Um, people saying that Jordan Peele is two for two, meaning two masterpieces. Unfortunately, I have to disagree with that. I think us was good. I think us was clever. I think thinking back on some of the things, I think it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely pretty nuts. Uh, you know how he did it. I think he's very smart. I think it was, you know. I think it was well done and a good movie. It entertained me. Sometimes it scared me, freaked me out a little bit. But I just, at the end of the day, I, I don't, not that I don't buy it. I mean, of course I don't buy it. I mean, a, a family that looks exactly like them as a duplicate comes in and, and terrorizes them. So, of course, I'm not going to take that literally. But what I mean is I don't buy it, meaning it's not what Get Out was. I thought Get Out was just way more like poignant and, and you know, 
revealing and holy shit than this. I thought that this was good. I thought it was scary. I didn't think it was super great. Those guys thought it was a 10 out of 10. I don't. I'll give it a 7. Give it a 6.5 or a 7 maybe. Um, but I didn't love it. Uh, so if you're listening to this, I'm not trying to be a dick because I told you. Like Get Out's one of the be- I mean, Get Out's one of the most original things I've seen in a long, 20 years. And this is great too. Like Jordan Peele is the man. Like this guy is really crushing it. He's good at what he does. But this this movie, I think people wanted it to be what what Get Out was, and it's just not. It's not. In reality, it's not. So, um, there you go. There you go. I would say yes, see it because you're not going to be dis. I don't think you're going to be super disappointed. But if you waited for it to come out, that's fine too. So yeah, I'll give it the Verzi effect approval, but not nearly what people have said, uh, and that's just what I think. Okay, uh, I thought, and and looking back at it, as much as I look back and I see some parts are awesome, and oh, that's why that happened, and oh, I see what happened there. There are also things I look back on, and I'm like, yeah, but then they wouldn't have acted like that. I don't think that makes you know. It just seems like they wouldn't have done that. So there you go. Those are my reviews, guys. So, um, sacrifice and push if you want to be absolutely fascinated and have intensity and be interested and learn something. Um, The basement if you want to be completely freaked out, disturbed, and questioning things at the end of it, but almost in a bad way. (laughs) And us. So, there you go. Heavy-handed on the movies this time. This is uh, TVE 397. Uh, Magic Johnson left the Lakers, so everybody's freaked out about that. Apparently, basically, nobody knew why. This is only the first year since LeBron got there. He said it would be a four-year waiting process. The theory that I have, and which is pretty much kind of being told, but nobody knows exactly why. He's kind of being vague, like, I couldn't stick. He said, I couldn't take the backstabbing. He said, I couldn't you know, this and that, but he never mentioned the GM. So from what I gathered from it and what they were saying today is that Magic Johnson and the GM, who used to be inseparable, have different opinions moving forward with the future of the team. And the owner might be siding with or kind of not really loving what Magic is saying. Magic's not having fun during the process. So yesterday, without even telling the uh, owner or the GM, just in a press conference, he goes, I'm stepping down which means he got upset with something, realized what he had to do, and did it in a very spur-of-the-moment type of way, and everybody in Lakerland is freaking out. Good for Magic Johnson. He's a great guy, one of the greatest point guards to ever live. He'll be fine. You know, the guy beat AIDS, so what What does it matter? You know, when you beat AIDS, it does it matter? When you're a multi-multi-millionaire and one of the most successful businessmen, he owns, like, what, 100-and-something Starbucks he owns movie theaters. He's an insane like business mogul on top of being one of the greatest point guards to ever fucking live. I think Magic Johnson will be fine. Oh yeah, not to mention that he just, you know, happened to knock out and beat one of the like the craziest diseases and he got it in 1991 when it was wiping people out. This guy's like, so I think Magic will be just just fine. Magic will be fine. Um People talking about the baseball season like it matters after 9, 10 games is ridiculous. I'm not going to even go there. Uh, the Knicks season ends tonight, which is a good thing, and here's why. Because it was such a disaster, and now we don't have to see the disaster anymore, and now we can see if we get that number one pick and Zion Williamson comes to New York. So that, that's another great thing about that. 
So that is it for sports. That is it for movies. Um, I wish to God during this podcast that phone rang again and we could have fun with that woman. But no, I, I'm not going to lie. I did call somebody who said, this is Jill. And I said, did you just call me from a warranty company or something? And she goes, no. And I go, you didn't just call me. And I started to like question. She goes, no, I'm sorry. I'm a student. And then I, <laughs> I felt like and I felt like a dick. It's probably like an old babysitter of ours. And I just called some girl and scared the shit out of her. But uh, guys, the tour is going great. The tour is going great. And um, it's only been so far bananas in New Jersey and Tempe, Arizona improv. But please, please check me out at these uh, at these shows and buy tickets. A lot of people at my shows right now, it's weird. They're They're going the night of. Even the clubs are like, wow, you have a lot of walk-up business. That's cool, and I appreciate it, but buying tickets now is better. This way, uh, you know, you guys could get get in there and, and, and pick the show, pick the time, and all that stuff. So I'm at the Philadelphia Punchline tomorrow through Saturday. All right, tomorrow through Saturday, I'm at the Philadelphia Punchline. You could get tickets on my website. I'm doing one, two, three, five shows. Uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, I will be there next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, okay? And that is April uh, 18th, 19th, and 20th. And then I come home to New York where I will be uh, doing uh, the Fairfield Comedy Festival April 27th. And then uh, in May, I'm in Poughkeepsie and I'll be advertising all those. And guys, get me. May Also, I'm going to be at, um, I'm going to be at the Washington, D.C. Improv. The Washington, D.C. Improv is one of the best comedy clubs in the United States of America. I can't even believe it was a dream to be there. I opened for Burr there a long time ago. I will be there. Tickets are available on my site right now. That is May 16th, 17th, and 18th, and 19th. Get tickets to those shows. Those are going to be awesome. And then obviously I have more shows added. You know, there's more stuff in May. Uh, you know, I'm going to be at uh, Springfield, uh, you know, earlier. I'm going to be in, um, I'm going to be at Levity and I'm going to be doing uh, West Palm Beach. So all that stuff coming up. So please check the schedule, check paulverzi.com for these shows. Get your tickets at my website or go to the Comedy Club's website. So that's it. I will see you guys Oh, and also you can go to GothamComedyClub.com or got yeah GothamComedyClub.com, and you can purchase tickets for May sixth TVE episode four hundred live. Me Sal Vulcano. Bring your questions if you have anything you want to ask. Any unacceptables? We'll be talking about it. We're going to be talking to the crowd. The nice thing is it's going to be so intimate and cool. I, we could just call on you. You could stand up. We could talk. All that stuff. It's going to be great. We're going to be taking pictures. It's going to be the shit. That's May. 6th, uh, Monday, 8 o'clock, Gotham Comedy Club, Vintage Lounge. Uh, Vintage Lounge. Be there or be square. Guys, this has been episode 397. Check out all the movies that I talked about. Be positive. Don't worry about anything. And um, that's another thing, man. When you're really down, like, <laughs> when you're really down, I know it sounds weird, but and I'm not saying, like, search people that are doing bad, because that would be weird, too. To be like, ah, I'm having a bad day, man. Let me just Google fucking one leg. I'm not saying to do that, but um, think about that. Just think about that, and I think that that will, I think that that will help you. And we all need reminders of that myself included sometimes. You know, just be like, ah, what am I worried about? I got my feet up. I got a seltzer water. 
You know, I got a little seltzer and lime. I got my feet up watching the game. You know, and, and, and everything is all, and it's all good. And it's all good. You're with people that you love, healthy, all that stuff. Um, I guess it's safe to say that uh, this was one of the most, one, I mean, lopsided from positive to gross stuff. I didn't even talk about what the guy did to, in the ba- to the guy in the basement, but whoa. It is, <laughs> you guys are taking the recommendations, I know, because people hit me up going, Paul, you told me about that, and I appreciate it, and I saw it, and all that stuff, and... You know, like the Motley Crue movie wasn't bad, The Dirt. It was, it was you know, it got bad reviews. People are shitting on it, but I, I was thoroughly, enter, you know, I was thoroughly entertained. And the best part about it is I had a buddy in it who, like, was with the real Motley Crue as they were researching it, and all that stuff happened. So that's the cool part about it. It's like people could watch it and go, yeah, did they really do that? Did they really party like that? Was it really always, you know, coke and girls and party and fucking everybody's girl and all that stuff? And from what I understand, it was. So, but... Um, yeah, write stuff in. And also, like Clint did and like, you know, some other people when they want advice or when they do something, let me know and do the same thing on the Patreon. And go to the Patreon if you want to hear about the sacrifice and you want to hear about the guy on the plane. That was a good one and there'll be more stuff on that as well. Guys, you guys are the best. I love giving you content. I love that you're listening. Tell a friend. Pass it along. And um, we're going to keep this thing, uh, we're going to keep this train rolling. This is TVE. 397, Paul Verzi. Until the next one, I am out. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And uh, be grateful. Take care.